Hey everyone, it's MSNBC's Chris Hayes. For the first time since 1892, we have an election in which both candidates have presidential records. It's a chance to take a hard look at what Joe Biden and Donald Trump have actually done as president. On a special Why Is This Happening podcast series called With Pod 2024 The Stakes, I'm talking to experts about the two candidates' records on specific policy areas like immigration, taxes, climate, and more. So you know what's at stake come November. Search for Why Is This Happening and follow. We are continuing to follow the breaking news of this historic and, quite frankly, damning indictment released to the public today, laying out the special counsel's case against Donald Trump and his gross mishandling of classified documents. Given that this is the first time such actions are being taken against a former president, the special counsel made sure he came prepared with the receipts and they could not be any more incriminating. In all, the special counsel is charging Trump with 37 counts, 31 of them have to do with Trump's willful retention of national defense information, otherwise known as the Espionage Act. These are charges related to false statements, conspiracy to obstruct justice, withholding and corruptly concealing documents, as well as as scheming to conceal. Included in some of those charges is one of Trump's closest aides, Walt Nada, who was also indicted. Also today, we heard for the first time from the man leading the special counsel investigation, Jack Smith. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice. And our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. The special counsel spelled out the national security risk posed by the documents Trump took with him. Quote, The classified documents Trump stored in his boxes included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the United States and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. The unauthorized disclosure of these classified documents could put at risk the national security of the United States, foreign relations, the safety of the United States military and human sources and the continued viability of sensitive intelligence collection methods. For all of you out there like myself that did not go to law school, let me be clear about the U.S. code Trump is being charged with under the Espionage Act. It does not matter whether those documents were classified or not. It does not matter whether Trump twitched his nose like bewitched and said to himself, they are classified. It only matters that they refer to national defense, which they clearly do. And though and through and throughout this indictment, we are learning even more about Trump's involvement every step of the way and how careless he was with these documents. Counter to Trump's lawyers claims, the indictment points out that Trump was personally involved in the process of packing up the boxes when he left the White House. And while Trump and his lawyers claim the documents were secure in a storage room at Mar-a-Lago, they forgot to mention that for months upon arriving at his Florida club, they were actually 
actually left out in the open on the stage of a ballroom in which events and gatherings took place, as well as in a bathroom and a shower. That sure would make some great reading material for anyone needing to use the the toilette. In a surprise revelation, we learned that in May of 2021, Trump then took some of those documents to his summer residence and his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. That could very well be the boxes we saw here in this video from the Independent that we've told you about this before, showing Trump leaving Mar-a-Lago for Bedminster in May of 2021. It was at Bedminster where the special counsel claims in the indictment that Trump showed those very documents to others in two different instances, specifically people with no security clearance. And we further learned of his obstruction attempts through one of his own attorney's notes. For example, when Trump was talking about how to respond to the FBI subpoena for the documents, Trump is noted as saying, I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. But what if we what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? Wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Well, look, isn't it better if there are no documents? And then even after one of the attorneys looked through some of the boxes and recovered classified documents, Trump told the attorney to take them back to his hotel room. And as the attorney noted, made a plucking motion to remove anything really bad in there. Suffice it to say that regardless of how this plays out, Trump has cemented himself with yet another first. He is the first president to be twice impeached, the first former president to be charged criminally following his indictment by a Manhattan grand jury in March. And as of yesterday, he became the first president in our nation's history to be indicted on federal charges. Congrats, Donald. I have an amazing panel of guests tonight to discuss this huge historic day. My colleague, Lawrence O'Donnell, host of The Last Word. Alex Wagner, host of Alex Wagner Tonight. Nick Ackerman, former Watergate assistant special prosecutor that could come in handy. Charles Coleman, former Brooklyn prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst, as well as Frank Figluzzi, former FBI assistant director for counterintelligence and MSNBC national security analyst. An all-star panel here today. Um, where to begin? <laughs> yeah. I mean, where to begin? And we, we have been sort of following through this all day. And I know that all of you probably feel like I do, that reading this was like reading a crime novel and also a comedy at the same time. Yes, a dark comedy. A dark comedy, a dark comedy. Um, but let's start, let's, there, there are like sort of three buckets here. There is the sloppy handling, sure. having the documents in the loo, right? Having it in the bathroom and in that Shower. that tacky ball, ballroom. I feel like he should be indicted for the tackiness of the 80s ballroom. Don't um, forget about the chandelier in the, in the bathroom. Listen. I mean, that is indictable all on its own, just from a taste point of view. And then there, so there's that. Then there is the, 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 the chase for the documents mm-hmm. in which he knows that Corcoran, who is attorney one, um, has to go and look for them. So he tells Nada, his valet, hide him, hide him, hide him, hide him. And he does that over days. And then there's a line. Not a lies to the FBI, et cetera. So let's start with the sloppy handling. And I am going to go to you first on this. Um, it seems to me that when you just go through the actual documents that are at issue in the indictment, it feels like Donald Trump, who didn't pay attention to his PDB, his presidential daily beef, might have paid a little more attention than we thought and taken stuff home with him. Because these are obviously documents, most of them from his time as president. Well, so what he was doing with that sloppy storage is in and of itself uh, an offense. Never would have been charged for it. 
would have mm-hmm. completely gotten away with it. And in fact, the authorities really wouldn't know mm-hmm. that it was all over the floor in that room if he had just, when requested, sent it back. In fact, if he just sent it back the third time he was requested <laughs> to send it back, okay? Uh, th- th- this is one of those things where it, it's one of those rare situations where they're basically saying to the bank robber, you know what, if you give the money back, yeah. all right. if you would just... Yeah. You know, and he couldn't bring himself to do that, which is just so deeply pathological. And uh, this when you say where to begin, I, I really want to stress to everyone out there something that Jack Smith uh, said today, which was please read yes. these mm-hmm. yeah. pages. You know, we're saying 49 pages, but look, th- really that's boring. typed yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's even quick. like 49 pages it's, of a book. It's, yeah. it's, it's double space. It's not the Mueller report. And, yeah. and look at that. Look at all that dialogue, white space there. Yeah. It's really easy to read. And and on the issue of where to begin, you literally can randomly just drop it, flip it. Oh, it, it turns out it's on page 37. There's something great. I guarantee oh, yeah. you. Page 16, something yeah. great. Speaking of page 16. Please do. There, there are these lines that, that jump out. There's a moment there where Donald Trump says, isn't that incredible? And he's saying that upon committing a crime. Mm-hmm. He says he's showing a classified document to a visitor who has no right to that. And he says to him, this is secret. Look at this. And his next line is, by the way, isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, everything about it is incredible. What you just did is incredible. <laughs> and, and, and that's why we're here tonight. Joy, I, I just really want to jump in really quickly about Lawrence's first point, because it's super important. People need to understand that when we're talking about this indictment and the levels of crimes that have been committed, there was a point where the facts were what they are and Donald Trump had not technically done anything illegal. I had been talking for a number of different times about the fact that the contents of the documents themselves, while horrific, would not have been as much of an issue had he returned them initially. However, At the point that he starts to evade law enforcement, number one, you've committed a crime there, okay? And then now when you add in the sensitive nature of the documents themselves, now that ups the crime that you've actually committed. So all of this is entirely of his own doing from something that he could have clearly avoided simply by giving them back. That is such an important point to understand because not only did it cross the line of illegality, but then it made the offenses that much more severe. You know what? That's a really good point. And Alice, I do want to bring you in on this because because here's the thing, the, the the comparison is going to be made and is being made with Hillary Clinton, with Mike Pence, with the current president when he was vice president, Joe Biden. But that is the point, right? They incidentally in the locker rooms or wherever they store their papers had some classified documents. I imagine probably half the senators, if you really dug in there, you might have find something with a C on it. Right. But as soon as they were alerted to it, they immediately gave it back. The explanation for why they're not being charged is is that. But if you go to people who did something similar in terms of not giving them back or shared them, David Petraeus. Yeah. Military hero. Mm-hmm. Sandy Berger. Sandy Berger, national security official, destroyed some documents. It's and every single person who either disseminated, withheld or didn't return documents, they've all gotten prosecuted. Yeah. too. And, and to be clear, they're not charging dissemination exactly. as of right now. So the, the this fascinating moment where he's showing the documents around is really proof that he knew the documents were classified less the 
notion that he was showing them to people, right? And an important distinction to make just in terms of the legal charges. I think what, what stands out here is your point, Joy, over and over again, he lies to his lawyers. He pretends at one point after he's taken all the good stuff yeah. out of the storage room and left stuff for Evan Corcoran to find. He, he plays dumb. He's like, so, so what'd you find in there? Anything, anything serious, <laughs> Evan? And then has the audacity to say, if you do find some bad stuff, just take it out, right? Like he's lying to his own lawyers. The only person he's not lying to is himself. Yeah. He really cares about the boxes. He's very clear that they matter to him. Yeah. I keep going back to, when we talk about the psychology of someone who would do this, that video from the Wall Street Journal where Trump is showing people around his apartment and he's amassed this collection of treasures, <laughs> including Shaquille O'Neal's shoe. Mm -hmm. And this is his version of Shaquille O'Neal's shoe. Mm -hmm. These classified documents are a thing to be treasured, to be waved around. They're mementos, they're leverage, they're scoring political points with his f perceived adversaries. But it's a collection of Trump's things. Right. And whether or not that endangers the men and women who put their lives in harm's way to keep America mm -hmm. safe, whether or not it's against the law, whether or not it doesn't even belong to him, that is all beside the point. This is feeding his ego and his personal grievances, and he lusts after these objects this, the same way he did a WWE <laughs> wrestling belt. Yeah. I mean, it really, there, you can draw a parallel between that stuff and this stuff. And, you know, a, a president, we, we we know for presidents who have, uh, have narcissistic personality disorder, you have uh, dealt with one... Uh, yep. And so there is a narcissism to it, um, but then there is also a sense of entitlement that's on top of it that is Nixonian, but like on steroids. Yeah, but I, I think this, I mean, a key point here, which is what was the motive? Why did he do this? Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't really get much insight in this indictment as to what was behind this. I mean, most of the time, Donald Trump is very mercurial. He does things for money. Uh, and the, the most the closest we've come to any motive here is him using these documents basically to try and refute uh, General Milley's, yeah. um, you know, statements in, in an article that was written. So the question is, is there more to it? And there could be because motive is not an element of obstruction. It's not an element of the Espionage Act. Um, but it's something that the government is likely to put into evidence at trial. I, I will tell you what they say in the indictment, the purpose of the conspiracy. Right. It doesn't say motive, but the purpose. The purpose of the conspiracy was for Trump to keep classified documents he had taken with him from the White House and to hide and conceal them from the federal jury. Right. The, right, taking but the question to take is, what's why? the motive? I, I, I think that Millie anecdote sheds some light. I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer, but it, it seems quite clear that it's to, to settle grievance. Right. Yeah. And you can imagine these are the two instances we know about that are in the indictment. You could imagine that this scenario has played out before, potentially in other locations, with other documents, with other people that have crossed Trump's well, red line. Well, yeah. for sure. We know that in his own personal safe, it appears that what they pulled out were documents on the French president, Macron. Right. and documents relating to Roger Stone, who he commuted his sentence and then ultimately pardoned him. Yeah. So the question is, what were those documents doing in his personal safe? What was he using those for? I mean, clearly he was planning to use them for something. I mean, these were not just his hobby of collecting information. Or they were. <laughs> I mean, that's no, the thing that's so wild with him, or both. But the beauty of this and the beauty of the indictment from a legal standpoint is that it doesn't matter. And the reason I say that is because, as you've already talked about, the actual motive, the actual why in and of itself is irrelevant in terms of establishing this case beyond a reasonable doubt. You need two things. You need the act and you need the intent.
And the act is undebatable. It's not in dispute. We know the documents were there. We've seen the photos. We've been to this terribly decorated bathroom and, <laughs> and, and these boxes are there. So that's not an issue. The only thing that they can contest is the intention behind it, which is why earlier this week, when his attorneys met with the DOJ, they tried to advocate that this be treated as an administrative matter, not criminally. And the beauty of the indictment is that it lays out so wonderfully and in such explicit detail a timeline that chips away at intent in so many different respects. Yeah, let, let me do just that because I want to get Frank Frank Figluzzi in here because the, the cat and mouse search for the boxes, Frank, I feel like is the smoking gun and it is one of the most entertaining parts of this indictment. I'll just read this very quickly. So the, the, on May 15th, they get a subpoena saying, turn everything in. Corcoran goes to Trump and says, you got to turn everything in. He's like, yeah, couldn't we just say they're not there? And he's like, no, you got to turn it in. Then on June 1st, Trump speaks with Corcoran, attorney one by phone, and asked whether Trump attorney one was coming to Mar-a-Lago the next day for exactly what purpose. Trump attorney one reminds Trump that Trump attorney one was going to review the boxes that had been transported from the White House and remained in storage at Mar-a-Lago so Trump attorney one could have a custodian of records certify that the May, sorry, May 11 subpoena had been fully complied with. June 2nd, the day Trump attorney one is scheduled to review those boxes in the storage room, Trump speaks with Nada, who is his valet, on the phone at 9.28 a.m. for approximately 24 seconds. Later that day, between 12.33 p.m. and 12.52 p.m., Nada and an employee of the Mar-a-Lago Club moved approximately 30 boxes from Trump's residence to the storage room. In sum, between May 23, 2022 and June 2nd, before Trump Attorney 1's review of Trump's boxes in the storage room, Nada, at Trump's direction, moved approximately 64 boxes from the storage room to Trump's residence and brought to the storage room only approximately 30 boxes. Neither Trump nor Nada informed Corcoran, Trump attorney one, of this information. And then Nada lies to the FBI, um, Frank. I don't see how it gets any clearer than that. Yeah, the, the recitation of facts, the chronology of events that you just read off <clears throat> is critically important for a couple of reasons. First, it goes toward intent, right? Each of and every act that you just described is another nail in the coffin, so to speak, to show that Trump was in charge. Trump was willfully, understandably, he knew he was unlawfully retaining these documents. And it goes toward a counter of everybody out there saying, look, it's just a bunch of guys who were moving boxes around. Who knew? They didn't know what was going on here. This counters that. And it's important to tell any one of your neighbors, coworkers, family members, read the facts. Would you do this if you thought you weren't doing something illegal? And then the other thing from a national security perspective, Joy, look, every time you mention these things are moved, every body that's looking at these, handling these, eyes on is another spill. It's another hemorrhage of classified information. And then really what makes me cringe is reading in the indictment the hundreds of people that traipse through Mar-a-Lago during the time period we're talking about, attending weddings, movie premieres, staying at the hotel, all potential people who could have had access to some of these documents. And you said spill. There was a literal spill at one point, And the response was, oh, my. And they took a picture of the spilled documents. That is one of the 
uh, items in this uh, in this indictment that you can actually see yourself. Okay, our, our brilliant panel is going to stay with us, and we're coming right back. We got to pay for this and take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Much more on today's breaking news. The federal indictment of Donald Trump has been unsealed. We are back with our panel, Lawrence O'Donnell, Alex Wagner, Nick Ackerman, Charles Coleman, and Frank Figluzzi. I'm going to come back to you, Frank, but just real quick, because the actual search comes after not only the subpoena, but multiple attempts, which Corcoran, the lawyer, seemed to be trying to comply with. And so Donald Trump was then warned, if you don't turn everything in, there will be action. This is going to the Department of justice. So walk us through, because the actual search of Mar-a-Lago has, you know, caused some angst among his supporters. But that was like the final act in the complete act of obstruction. No. Yeah, it's a real important element for people who are trying to say, well, what about Pence? What, what about Biden? They had documents. There's, <coughs> these are apples and oranges. OK, this discussion started back as Trump was leaving the White House. Pat Cipollini was in conversation with the National Archives and he told the archives, yeah, yeah, I know we can't keep these documents. They, they got to go back to you. It started early. And so the opportunities for Trump to do the right thing kept happening and he chose not to. And the search warrant signed by a federal magistrate who found probable cause to believe that evidence of a crime was in that location came only after a visit from Jay Bratt, head of uh, national security at DOJ, FBI agents, pretty please phone calls, discussions, <laughs> lies about whether they had turned everything over or not. It was an absolute last resort. Yeah. And it was the, the, the search happens in August. The initial request was in May. We were talking a little bit about the spill and the oh, no. And you were giving some clarification <laughs> on the oh, yes. no. Um, their effect. Effectively, as I read it, and I know this is kind of a hazy part of this indictment, it appears that uh, a Trump employee, too, has a picture of the spill. Right. And shows, takes the phone, shows Trump the picture of the spilled boxes, and then Trump, holding the phone, texts back, oh, no, oh, no. Employee two grabs the phone back and says, sorry, POTUS had my phone, (laughs) as I read it. If that is the case, it makes so much sense that the person most alarmed about this spill is Donald Trump because he knows what's in the boxes and the fact that, oh, hey, national security secrets shouldn't be scattered about on the floor. Yeah. And, and, you know, Lawrence, the the lust for the box. Oh, please do. Go, go, go. 
please give an alternative reading yes, to please. oh no oh no please do because first of all i don't believe donald trump knows how to text so well, so it begins with that but, but, it goes, but if you look carefully at the lines in front of it right? yeah so yeah. they're texting back and forth uh now to an employee number two this document this indictment attributes oh no oh no to employee number two the line says trump employee number two replied oh no oh no and i'm sorry potus had my phone I suspect POTUS had my phone means POTUS saw the picture. Yes. Uh, so I now got it back and I'm saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no to you yeah. uh, very excitedly. But anyway, the, the document itself in the structure of this sentence attributes the oh, no, oh, no to, to Donald to, Trump. To, to, employee well, to the two. reaction. To employee, to it is either Donald two. Trump. I think you're actually it's more yeah. plausible. But the, the notion is the person who is alarmed about this is Trump, is Donald Trump, because the they have the pressure. Clearly, there is some amount of concern being expressed to and by employee number yeah, two I think all about this stuff. And, and keep in mind, all those people are witnesses. They're all, and they're all, yeah, witnesses. they're all witnesses. I want to talk about the judge real quick, sure. but, because we've had a lot of it talk about the anxiety. I think we all kind of feel about that. The one thing that's not clearly in the prosecution's favor is this judge, Aileen Cannon, mm-hmm. who had shown herself to be very friendly to Donald Trump. Can the, the prosecutors, can the Justice Department get a different judge? Can they object to her presence, given the way she behaved in the special master? No, I mean, she's decided an issue on the special master. She was overruled by the 11th Circuit. And so the idea that they somehow could use that as a way to say that she's biased is not They could not do it. Could this judge try to throw out this damning evidence, which comes from Donald Trump's lawyer, which a judge duly allowed under the crime fraud exception previously? Could she say, nope, you can't have anything coming from the lawyer or from whoever it is that she doesn't I mean, I mean she could, but that seems pretty far-fetched. I mean, there is a ruling now that the crime fraud exception permits that to come forward. I mean, if they had a hearing on it, yeah. I think what you would find is that Mr. Corcoran would take the stand and it would turn out that he was probably the source of the mm-hmm. search warrant because I think he realized at some point that he was being played, that he found out that all of the documents were not in that room when he was looking at them. Right. And he found out that he had somebody sign a declaration saying there had been a reasonable search and that they had looked everywhere when he knew they hadn't. I mean, look at Corcoran is a former assistant U.S. attorney. He's a reputable lawyer. I mean, I could see him being in a situation where he said, boy, I really have myself backed in a corner. Yeah. And that the only way he could get himself out of that was to call the FBI and say, look, here's what happened and do it in a way that he was kept confidential in terms of that search. Let's talk about Walty Nutter. Go ahead. That that illustrates the complexity of this entire sphere and universe of what we're talking about globally. You have Donald Trump, who's who's a former United States president, in front of a judge he appointed being tried for a crime that none of us would have ever seen a former president having committed. I don't want to get too far down the road, but it also sort of illustrates the complexities of what it will be for Jack Smith to pick a jury in this case as well. Yeah. Because you're going to have potential jurors who, no doubt, at some point likely voted for him. Florida is a red state. Yes. It went for Donald Trump twice. And so in order for Jack Smith or the DOJ to sort of cherry pick these things, they have to be very selective in terms of which battles they want to fight. Because most of them, given the complexity of it, they won't be winning battles because you're talking about the former president of the United States of America. There aren't too many points in this process, i.e. the process of 
justice, selecting judges, people who know him, that people are going to be unfamiliar. And so that's just something you're going to have to live with right. if you're Jack Smith as a president. But the reality we, is we now, everyone involved in the case are Trump people. Yes, They're his employees. We, we now have a new and important question for Senate confirmation hearings for judicial appointments. Mm. And we've never had it before. And it is. If the president who appointed you appears as a criminal defendant in your courtroom, will you recuse yourself? Mm -hmm. And what we know if you is if you just played that question back retroactively through every single Senate confirmation of every single judicial appointment in history, they would all say, of course, I would recuse myself from that. But because the founders and the Senate and everyone involved never anticipated this until we got this guy uh, in the presidency, we now see the dynamics. And so she has her own personal ethical obligation to recuse. And it is glaringly obvious. And it's the person who appointed her is now a criminal defendant in front of her. And so uh, she may not do that. She might not might not do it. But, you know, she was reversed so fast on everything she did by the 11th Circuit. Mm-hmm. And they are sitting there, the 11th Circuit sitting there right now, ready to reverse any stroke of the pen she comes yeah. up with. Well, don't forget, the 11th Circuit was very clear right. that in terms of that Donald Trump had to be treated just like, like any other yeah. criminal defendant. Yeah. And that may have been enough of a slap on the back that maybe she'll take that lesson. And she may be the best person as a result of that. I yeah. don't know. We'll I don't see. Know. I we'll mean, see. I feel like her biggest weapon is probably the least controversial one, too, which is to say this person is a candidate for the presidency. Yeah. We are going to push this past the campaign season into 2025. I mean, he is—he shouldn't be treated like anybody else, but he is a presidential candidate. A presidential and if she candidate. wants to hide what behind the, that. What do the speedy trial rules say now about uh, because the speedy trial concept applies as a benefit mostly to the conceptually defendant. to the defendants. So right. they don't have to hang out. Well, with right. But there's a re- exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. And normally the exceptions that, that kick in have to do with a complicated case with lots of motions. Sure. And they set aside that time because of those motions. Um, but Jack Smith said today side, he seeks, he's going to seek a speedy trial. Oh, I think so any ruling the, on speedy trial, Jack Smith is ready to go to the circuit. In Florida, though, the, and this is the other unique piece about this, they have a rocket docket. And so the judges down there tend to be far more aggressive in federal court than they are in other parts of the country that don't feature that rocket docket. So you're looking at the convergence of a number of different factors that are going to influence the calendar. So under normal circumstances, you may see the judges try to put very aggressively a trial date anywhere between 90 days and six months from the point of the indictment uh, or an arraignment. But in a case like this, I do think we'll see that aggression, but we're going to see a ton of legal maneuvers. We're going to see a lot of different motions. That's going to delay the clock. And then to Alex's point, if I'm defending Donald Trump, which is very hard for me to say, but (laughs) if I'm defending Donald Trump, I just want to get it deep enough into election season where that becomes a problem. problem. I want to very quickly before we go, we do have to go to break. I want to get Frank in for one final note, because we haven't talked about Waltine Nauta very much. And this is the person who, when asked by the FBI, does any are you aware of boxes being brought to his home is sweet? Nope. Um, was asked, to your knowledge, you're saying that those boxes, they just appeared there, to, to, you know, and he's like, hmm. Um, he's asked, um, do you know how they were kept, where they were kept, where they were stored? I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you. He lied for Donald Trump. It's hard to understand why anyone does it. Um, in your mind, can you sort of take us behind the scenes, speaking to somebody like him who doesn't have Trump's money or power? 
the idea that he would essentially put himself in the same boat with him legally um, seems stunning to me. It is mind boggling. And I can only feel for the FBI agents. I've been there myself trying to convince someone to cooperate, right? Explaining to them, look, this isn't going to go well for you. You're looking at decades potentially in prison. Why are you doing this? And so they obviously failed and he's not cooperating. And so this, this, this notion of somebody leaving the Navy so that they can go to South Florida and continue to serve Diet Coke to someone in the private sector <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. And I feel it's not going to make much sense to him when he starts realizing what he's facing. But this happened um, in Watergate all the time. Yeah, yeah. We've I mean, got a whole line of people that did this. Well, I have. We, we have. They got charged. Um, yeah. They then folded. They then no, folded. Well, it's not, no, not many people folded. I mean, there was John Mitchell. They went he to prison. Fold. He went right. to okay, prison. Okay, we are going to right. stop this conversation and do it in a commercial <laughs> break because there has to be a commercial break. Otherwise, we can't pay for this joint. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, <laughs> Alex you. Wagner, Nick Ackerman, Charles Coleman, and Frank Vigluzzi. Obviously, we could do this for like two more hours, but we can't do We're it right now. To. Oh, we right, <laughs> we're in the break, though. We'll be right back. We'll do it in the break. Until 1 a.m. <laughs> That's Stay up to date on the biggest issues of the day with the MSNBC Daily Newsletter. Each morning, you'll get analysis by experts you trust, video highlights from your favorite shows. 2024 is now truly the most important election in the history of our country. Previews of our podcasts and documentaries, plus written perspectives from the newsmakers themselves, all sent directly to your inbox each morning. Get the best of MSNBC all in one place. Sign up for MSNBC Daily at MSNBC.com. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Fang. Did you know my weekly show on MSNBC is now available as a podcast? With my decades of experience as a trial lawyer, you'll get an insider's perspective on all things legal. At a time when politics and the law are inextricably intertwined, my guests and I break down what's next and why it matters, both inside and outside the courtroom. Search for The Katie Fang Show wherever you're listening and follow. You should not be surprised by the sycophantic response from the right to federal charges against Donald Trump. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called it unconscionable for a president to indict the leading candidate opposing him. Fact check. He didn't. A federal grand jury of citizens in Florida did. Trump's 2024 rivals also pathetically stood by him. Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott decried the weaponization of the Justice Department. And Nikki Haley said we should just move beyond it. Longshot contender Vivek Ramaswamy promised to pardon Trump. The only ones who didn't fall in line were Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson. Both happened to be former federal prosecutors. The best Mike Pence could muster. He's deeply troubled, but no one's above the law. Pence is actually right because people not named Donald Trump regularly get charged with retaining classified documents. Literally just last week, a retired Air Force officer got three years in prison for keeping classified materials in his Florida home. Sound familiar? Also, Edward Snowden was charged with espionage and reality winner went to jail for violating the Espionage Act. Iraq war hero David Petraeus reached a plea deal for giving highly classified documents to his mistress. President Clinton's national security advisor, Sandy Berger, also pleaded guilty for taking classified materials from a government archive. And joining me now is Congresswoman Madeline Dean of Pennsylvania. Uh, Congresswoman, I I note all of that and I will add one more thing. Donald Trump's entire campaign in 2016 
was based on him believing that she should be locked up, lock her up. That chant was about classified documents. Let me play Donald Trump calling on Russia to find her emails and saying that essentially she is a criminal. Here she, here he is. Yeah, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. That'll be next. Because time is a sieve. <laughs> that seems like 100 years ago. But that was his whole campaign. And in this indictment, um, he again references Hillary Clinton saying his lawyers ought to simply delete and get rid of the classified documents, because in his imagination, that is what happened for Hillary Clinton, of course, is not. Your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm pleased to be with you, Joy, uh, on this Friday night. As I sit home uh, reading the 49-page indictment, uh, I know all of you, your analysts, your journalists, uh, are doing the exact same thing. Uh, and I just want to pause to say this is a very sad, very significant uh, and yet not surprising moment in American history. Uh, it's not surprising that this former president, who has shown such a, a proclivity for corruption and grift, uh, is now indicted federally. It's an unprecedented moment. I think we're going to have to come up with a new word for unprecedented uh, because of the number of times we have had to use it surrounding this man. Uh, this is a man who has uh, spent a lifetime working around grievance and grift. Everything he has done is perfect. Remember that. Everything <laughs> he has done. I I've never heard anybody say that other than a child, and actually even children get that that's not true. Uh, and so I feel very sad for our country. Uh, we need to go through this. Mr. Trump needs to be held accountable to the rule of law. Uh, but our country is hurting. Our democracy is hurting. And we will heave through these different indictments, whether they are state level, whether they're about classified documents that are so incredibly dangerous and damaging in the way that they have been handled uh, by this former president uh, or about uh, state trials around Georgia uh, and attempting to overthrow uh, the fair outcome of a presidential election. Because only if we go through that hurt and heaving will we get to healing. Uh, so I find this to be a very sad uh, moment in, in our history, not surprising in the least, significant beyond words. So I thank you for your coverage of it. Uh, and those who are over on the right, who are defending without even knowing what the charges are, are extraordinarily irresponsible. And I don't want anybody in any other position uh, to be gloating or celebrating. This is nothing to celebrate. Uh, indeed. Let me play for you. Speaking of those on the right, here's Kevin McCarthy, um, who is a Trump, uh, uh, I would say, uh, apparatchik in many ways. Um, here he is responding to the indictment. You'll see then that this judgment is wrong by this DOJ, that they treated President Trump differently than they treat others. And it didn't have to be this way. This is going to disrupt this nation because it goes to the core of equal justice for all, which is not being seen today. And we are not going to stand for it. 
Jim Jordan added to that. There's one standard of justice for Republican and another for Democrats. I just in the open talked about the number of people who have actually been uh, indicted for the same uh, behavior um, in terms of classified documents. Andy Biggs took it even lower and Clay Higgins. They took it even lower. Biggs tweet today. We have reached a war phase. Eye for an eye. Clay Higgins last night before the indictment was even unsealed. President Trump said he has been summoned to appear in a federal courthouse in Miami at 3 p.m. This is a perimeter probe from the oppressors. Hold. Our POTUS, meaning real POTUS is, is in their words, has has this. Buckle up. 150K. Know your bridges. Rock steady calm. That is all. Jeff Charlotte, I'm the great journalist, he decoded that. He said, take this seriously. Perimeter probe. Higgins thinks indictment precedes a bigger attack. Our POTUS, real POTUS, Trump, hold, stand back and stand by. Buckle up means prepare for war. 150K is military scale maps. Know your bridges is militia speak to prepare to siege, to seize bridges. Your thoughts on some of your own colleagues talking like members of a militia rather than members of Congress. Well, how irresponsible of Speaker McCarthy. Uh, and how imprecise. This was not a judgment. This was not a judgment. This was an indictment. Uh, this was not DOJ. This is a grand jury. Uh, I can't even decipher Mr. Higgins. I guess the other fellow is trying to help me do that. But certainly we know exactly what's going on here. Continued incitement to make people angry, upset, fearful, and violent. It's unbelievably irresponsible. Why wouldn't somebody like a Speaker McCarthy last night when the indictment had not yet been unsealed, say, I reserve judgment. I'm certain my former president is innocent of all of this. But why not say, I will wait and read the indictment? Yeah. And by the way, just like Jack Smith, I ask everybody, read this yeah. indictment. I'm a former professor. It reads like a narrative. It is it very sad and compelling. Read yeah. this indictment. And I will note that it, 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 yes, it's 40 some odd pages, but it's really a quick read. Lots of white space on those pages. So definitely read it. Congresswoman Madeline Dean, thank you. NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss joins me next. Stay with us. On this very historic day, I am joined by NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss. Michael, my friend, I'm just going to let you give us your impressions uh, of this history that has been made. Well, uh, I'm trying to get over uh, feeling sick after reading that indictment and hearing you all talk about it this afternoon. There has never been a president who remotely resembled Donald Trump in being so cavalier and reckless with, this is not just documents in the National Archives. These are secrets that if they get out, they can kill Americans. They can kill yeah. our loved ones. They can kill our families. This is the same week in 1944, D-Day, which helped the United States and the Allies to win World War II. Can you imagine if D D Dwight Eisenhower had been reckless about secrets? People would have died. Yeah. Or the nuclear weapon project in Tennessee during World War II that allowed us to win World War II. What if you'd had a president like FDR who said, well, I'm just going to leave some sensitive documents in my bathroom next to the toilet. And if someone happens to go in there and happens to be an agent of a foreign power and it gets to a hostile country, too bad. Yeah. We have never had leadership like this ever before. 
Donald Trump is in a category of his own. I mean, Nixon comes the closest, but what he was trying to purloin and keep for himself were, you know, evidence of his own criminality, of his own criminal conduct. The, the idea with Donald Trump is that he thought that really high level national security information from multiple agencies, from the Department of Defense to the CIA, belonged to him because it was briefed to him while he was president. And, and the, the arrogance of that and sort of taking um, things that belong to the United States and saying it's mine, mine, mine. It is a level kind of of sociopathy that I don't think I've ever read about. And there have been some pretty wild out there presidents. There sure have. And I never thought I'd go onto your show to give an encomium to Nixon, but (laughs) all through the Trump years and afterwards, I would have been desperate to have Nixon back instead of Donald Trump. And today really made very clear one of the reasons why. He has contempt for Americans, otherwise he wouldn't have endangered their lives in the way he did with these classified documents, has contempt for democracy. You know, Nixon, and again, I I never thought I'd be here as a cheerleader (laughs) for Richard Nixon, but there is a certain, at least minimum respect he had for institutions of democracy as much as he wanted to expand his own power. This was nothing like Donald Trump. This was a nightmare. Everything we've learned today shows us what a nightmare it was. And I'm so glad that he is being brought to to justice because no president must ever do this ever again. You know, uh, Nixon famously said when a president does it, it's not a crime. Uh, But your final comments here on the fact that this isn't even the worst thing Donald Trump did that is uh, likely, very likely a crime. January 6th comes to mind. Uh, He's already been found liable for sexual abuse of a woman. I could go on. This is the guy who tried to take down our democracy, same way that Jefferson Davis did in the Civil War. The two of them are about on the same par in the damage they've tried to cause to America and Trump is still trying to cause. All I'm saying is, remember from that report today what he did, uh, combine it with January 6th, election tampering in Georgia, the other things we know. This is someone who never should have been president. Let's make sure he doesn't become president again. Indeed. And a former commander in chief who has taken down a member of the United States military with him. I don't think there is any clearer example of his contempt for the military, contempt for the American people and for our national security. Michael Beschloss, always a pleasure. Thank you. And don't go anywhere, everyone. Thank you. I'll be back in a moment with my MSNBC pals as our special coverage of the indictment of Donald Trump continues. When news breaks, go beyond the headlines with the new MSNBC app. Get real-time analysis from live blogs to in-depth essays, video highlights from your favorite shows and hosts, and the latest updates on the 2024 election. Go beyond the what to understand the why. Download the app now at msnbc.com app.